Good morning, everyone. Everyone's, uh, our first reading from Sirach comes from the book, uh, the writings of uh, wisdom from the Old Testament. And there it tells us that God shows no partiality uh, for the rich and powerful, nor undue focus on the poor, but rather uh, he looks for those who are humble. In fact, uh, that reading goes on to tell us that the prayer of the humble person pierces heaven and reaches his altar. So uh, conversely then, uh, those who pray with anger or demands, it implies that the Lord God will not hear those prayers. And uh, it reminds me, because sometimes as a priest, I get angry and I pray that way. And if I follow this, uh, I'm wasting my words. Uh, I need to have an attitude change in approaching the Father. Our second reading, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, his dearest friend. He is a prisoner, and he is in jail, and he knows that his execution is approaching. He will die. Uh, his confidence is unshaken in the Lord, even though all these things have befallen him. Even though what Paul did was not a prayer, we look at what he wrote. Uh, I have done this, I have done this, I have done this. So you have to ask ourselves, while well, the church puts these readings together for some reason, what is the difference between what he did and what the Pharisees did? I mean, that's the Pharisees listed. Well, it must be attitude. The attitude from the heart is what was different between the two of them, and I'll get more into that. Um, um, I will go and listen to my favorite homilist to see what they had to say about these particular readings. Uh, and uh, certainly we can draw prayer about prayer, perhaps where the prayer is being said. Uh, but I really do think because of the way the scriptures are set up, the readings, uh, this has to do with something in the heart, how one approaches uh, the Father. And, uh, but for me, it is more than just about the prayer, uh, and it is about the attitude, but ultimately, I think this parable speaks to us about salvation and who gives salvation. We do not save ourselves, nor could we have done this, because if we could have, meaning just following the Mosaic laws, if we could have, this would not be necessary. But he did come and he did die for you and I. And so it is he who gives salvation to us. We don't earn it. We could never earn it. We do not enter the kingdom or attain heaven's glory by telling ourselves or other how good we are, even if you are that good. My professor said, better to be a sinner and know you're a sinner than a saint who knows he's a saint. And it took me a long time to figure out, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even know how to apply that. But I, now I understand, me, as I read the biographies of saints, I have never encountered one that has said, I am holy and good and deserve heaven. Most of them always said, I'm the worst of the worst of the sinners. Once they got to heaven, they realized, that was not true. <laughs> it is the Lord God who walks in holiness, and by his grace we become holy. We're called to walk in that holiness. I wish it was easy 
to do, but it is not. I wish it was like working up a sweat when you're in the gym, that you can work up holiness that way, but you cannot. The self-righteous um, people, in effect, are stating that they are the source of their own salvation. That is why Jesus said to the Pharisee, he prayed to himself. He said to himself something. He mouthed off, if you will, a litany of his good works like a person who was self-content to hear all the good things that he had to say about himself. My friends, this is not the same thing as confidence. Paul, in writing, had confidence, not arrogance. The Pharisee is example as having not confidence, but arrogance about things. Our Lord infers then that God was not even listening. They really need the Lord to listen, so I better make sure I have an attitude change when I approach him in all things. The Pharisee and the tax collector, my friends, are just not figures that Jesus used in the parable. They existed in their time, and both of them had tarnished reputations in their communities. Pharisees were considered to be holy men, but they were considered to be hypocrites. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were considered to be traitors and the worst of all sinners. But uh, in this parable, Jesus represents, uh, that he has them representing behaviors uh, that are current even in our own time, not in just Jesus' time. Friends, I have to look, when I look at the scriptures and I see how Jesus sometimes has good PR about, in the Gospels about certain people, oftentimes he had very positive things to say about people whose figures, like the tax collector, the Samaritan woman, the Samaritans in general, the Roman centurion, all these were people who were opposed in their time or in opposition. But Jesus spoke highly sometimes about them and um, those who carefully observed the Mosaic law often came under criticism by Jesus. So we need to look at this and try and figure this out. The Pharisee um, publicly committed themselves to perfect observance of the Mosaic law. They were perceived to be law-abiding citizens and because of that, holy. And they were noted for their religious piety. Jews folks of Jesus' time, they had to pray three times a day at the hours of nine, noon, and three. They were required to fast at least once a year on the Day of Atonement, as we understand it, Leviticus 16.29. The Pharisee that Jesus speaks about, uh, if you read the rest of the story, he did much more. He fasted much more, and he tithed not only 10% of... Um, what was required, he, he did 10% of everything he had, all of his property and everything. So he went, if you will, 100 times above what was required. So what is the problem? The Pharisee's problem was that uh, he was very haughty uh, in the face of God. And even worse, then he became condescending towards everyone else. Thank you that I'm not like that one. Yesterday, my homily uh, was about comparing and contrasting, and even as I gave it, I realized I was doing it. Hypocrite, hypocrite. <laughs> so it's a very tricky thing to be on. When uh, I told people last night, stop comparing yourself to the person next to you, start comparing yourself to Jesus. And when you do, you'll realize you have a long way to go yet. It's easy to find someone who you 
have decided is morally below you or uh, spiritually beneath you, and then to feel good about yourself. That's easy, that, and that's part of what Jesus was getting at. So the Pharisee had a, certainly an attitude problem, and he certainly was condemning of everyone around him. His prayer was a profession of all the good deeds he had done, and he was not thanking God. Uh, in this instance, even though Jesus oftentimes uh, used the word hypocrite on some of the Pharisees, in this case, the hip. The Pharisee was not being a hypocrite. He did everything he said he did. But he lied. He said, oh God, I thank you. But that he didn't do that. He didn't thank God. He had no gratitude in his heart to God. He had it to himself. He had more reverence for the law, Moses' law, than God who gave those laws. Thus the Pharisee proceeded uh, as if he was the sole cause of his own salvation. In other words, what I'm telling you is the Pharisee's attitude was, God owes me. God will never be indebted to us. Never. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. To have that attitude is going to be, it's going to cost you salvation. Because he alone is the one who gives. And he gives it as gift. There is a proper response, though, uh, to him and to his gift. The Pharisees, I think what uh, the tax collector, I believe, is what Jesus was pointing out, was that he was aware of his brokenness. He knew uh, that he was a sinner, and so he approaches God in that manner. The tax collector worked for the Roman Empire. He was considered a traitor and a thief. His only hope of forgiveness was that he quit his job. That's what the Pharisees would have told him. If you want to be better, you need to quit your job. All the tax collector could do then was to throw himself on God's mercy. In his prayer, he dares not even look to heaven, but simply ask God to have mercy on him. And for another homily in three years on this, uh, the Greek, I know sometimes people, oh, I don't care about what the Greek said. You should because... The Greek translation is closer to what the Aramaic was. And in that translation, he doesn't say, oh God, have mercy. He says, oh God, atone for my sins. It's different. It's different. But I'll leave that for another time. In humble acknowledgement of his own inadequacies, of his failings, of his sins, he simply asks God, forgive me, please. Help me. The tax collector is sincere. He was honest about himself before God. He did not wear a mask of respectability. He knew that if God were to accept him, it would be because God is good, because God is merciful, because God is loving, and it was nothing that he would have done in his good works, that is. In spite of being a sinner, the tax collector felt a deep need for God. In this spiritual emptiness, then he becomes open, allowing God to be able to fill him with grace. And Jesus tells us, I tell you, it was not the Pharisees who left changed, but the tax collector. He left changed. He left blessed because of his approach to the Father. Jesus singled out the tax collector for praise because of his humility and understanding of his need for God.
In doing so, Jesus teaches us only that those who are wholeheartedly and humbly dependent upon God for his help, for his forgiveness, for his love will have salvation. This is, this is huge. This is important. At the same time, Jesus dashes the notions that the mere knowledge and obedience of the law, particularly the Mosaic law, could not en enable him, a human, uh, to save himself, which the Pharisees thought. The lesson to be learned from the tax collector is that he realized to his core that he was incapable of meriting God's grace. The best he could do was to beg. As people here, particularly in the United States, we pride ourselves on being independent and self-sufficient and resourceful. And those aren't bad things. But we frequently need to accept and acknowledge the fact that we are second to God. We are not God's. We are his children. But we cannot save ourselves. Salvation is ultimately a gift from God. And while God absolutely wants and expects that you cooperate with him and his grace, in the end, when all is said and done, it is he who saves, not us. So the proper prayer then is, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That will always be one of the best prayers ever in all things.